Hey everyone, welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we are in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 reads, And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with him but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it is often cast them into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What are you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and a servant of all. And he took a child and put it in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. And Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. 
For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of the little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Today's special guest is no stranger to Ascend Student Ministries. We have Ken Heiser coming today. Ken is currently serving as an elder at Ascend Church, as well as the director of the Ascend Young Adults Ministry. But many of you know him most for his time serving here as the interim director of student ministries. So we're blessed to have Ken sharing the word today with us. All right, so... Uh, From my nugget of truth today, I just want to home in on verse 29. Uh, It's really interesting, I think, after Jesus heals this young boy with the unclean spirit, Jesus has this private moment with the disciples in verse 27, who were all left wondering why, why they couldn't cast it out, right? And so he tells them in verse 29, listen, guys, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And so I think far from being intended to drive the disciples toward viewing prayer as a sort of magic pill as if, you know, they had to, all they had to do was recite the right words, like some kind of incantation out of Harry Potter or something like that. Jesus, I think, is actually reminding these men who had already been given the authority to cast out demons that they had no power on their own in and of themselves. And so he had given them authority. They were authorized, but they still needed his power. They need to completely rely on God's power to do God's work. And I think that's one piece of this. Uh, they, they had cast out demons before, right? Back in Mark chapter 6, we saw that they had cast out many demons. They had healed many who were sick. So it's not like they hadn't done it before. So what's different about this time versus the other time? I think one of them is that Jesus wasn't with them. He was away from them. They, to be clear, we're talking about the nine disciples who didn't go up on the mountain with Jesus where he was transfigured. Uh, these are the guys who stayed back. And, and now they're trying to minister to all these people and Jesus wasn't with them. And, and what they needed to learn to do was to completely rely on God in that moment and not just on the fact that they had done this before. And I can sort of kind of picture it in my mind, the frustration as their attempts to cast out the spirit failed. I mean, you can kind of think about it. Perhaps they each took turns, right? You know, one rolls up his sleeves and he kind of gets in there and tells the other disciples, hey guys, you know, let me get this one. I, I got this one. And then nothing. <laughs> and he's left kind of scratching his head and I don't get it. You know, I, I did everything right just like the last time. Why didn't this work? And the next guy pushes his way up to the front. And he says, hey, step aside, step aside. You know, you must have done something wrong or missed something. Just watch and learn, boys. And and, and then nothing. <laughs> and And so it goes that none of them could get it done and they're left confused and frustrated and embarrassed and and probably probably even by this point they're doubting uh, did we lose the touch i mean what's going on and there's really kind of i think a tone of self-reliance and unbelief that kind of creeps in here in this account and i think jesus wants them to remember as he's pulling them aside that even though he's called them to do these great things they can't forget that the source is god you wonder don't you did they even think to pray at all? I mean, or were they thinking, yeah, we had no problem doing this the last time, so let's just get to it? You know, they had a self-confidence, but maybe not a God-confidence in this moment. 
And this kind of hits pretty close to home for me because in terms of remembering that I need to prioritize alone time with God is something that sometimes is a struggle when you get really busy. It's a reminder that I need to daily lean into my dependency upon God. And I can't just ride on the coattails of my walk with the Lord yesterday. I mean, I, have you ever gotten up in the morning with so much to do that you think, man, time alone with God just can't fit into it. I got to get so much done. And then we get going all in our own strength. And, and I think back in Mark chapter six, after Jesus feeds the 5,000, which we all know was more like 15 to 20,000 people when you include the women and children, Jesus is still prioritizing time alone with the Father to pray. How much more do we need to connect with the one who truly is our source of strength? I'll tell you what, praying sometimes is really hard, isn't it? I mean, think think about it. It forces us to a place where we acknowledge, we have to acknowledge our inadequacy and our need for help. It's humbling. Uh, it's hard. It's work. And, and it's showing that you trust God, that you need God. It's really faith. It's a walk of faith to pray. And how often do I go throughout the whole day and, and I don't realize that I've even paused to get alone with God, to pray, to ask God to work, to ask for his help. I've just been going about it, getting to it. And we've gone through the whole day almost as if God weren't even invited. So when things don't go well, when things don't work out, or in the case of these disciples, when they can't cast out the demon and they don't know why, God needs to pull us aside sometimes and tell us, are you done yet? You done try to do all this on your own? That's so good, Ken. I just love how you've focus this in on this single verse. And as you look through the rest of the passage too, we see that, you know, the disciples seem like they're getting pretty high and mighty on themselves. When we look down two sections later and they're debating who the greatest is, you know, they've experienced miraculous events in their life. They're undoubtedly really excited about the things that they're doing for the Lord, but it sounds like we get a glimpse into their life that they may have sometimes missed the fact that the Lord is still the one doing it through them. God is still using them. And we're going to see that humbling effect for them as we approach the crucifixion. But then we're also going to see that restoration of them and God continuing to use them once they have, as you've guided us, refocused upon drawing the source of their power and the source of their life from God the Father and through Jesus Christ. So Ken, the question that I have for you is you've centered our thoughts today on this topic of prayer. I'm in a group chat with some friends and one of them had sent an article this week from the New York Times that basically said that a study of prayer demonstrated that prayer had no effect on these patients who were recovering from heart surgery and this so they spent millions of dollars studying you know almost 2000 patients working through this and determined there was no purpose for that prayer and so you just challenged us on the importance of prayer and this study tells us there's not really a benefit to prayer for these people who are in this condition so i want us to answer the question you know what is the purpose of prayer why do we pray? Why is that something that's so important in our lives? Yeah, Lee, that's that's such an incredibly um, important question, don't you think? I mean, and I can understand it, you know, when it's coming from a place of unbelief. Again, that question almost, that article that you just referenced is almost exactly what we see sometimes the way people approach prayer as sort of an incantation. It's, it's like a 
is something that you do to get. It's like putting the coin in the machine and expecting to get a, uh, something out of the vending machine. It's magic. <laughs> and, it, and your magic isn't working. And so they call it into question. And look, God is designed us to be in relationship with him, number one. And, and prayer is the evidence of relationship. So that's that's one thing I would say prayer's purpose is, is to for us to connect in relationship with God. And I, I totally understand coming from a place of someone who doesn't know Christ, um, why that doesn't make sense. Uh, but even for us, sometimes we struggle with the with entering into prayer because we have missed the connection of what prayer is for, as you mentioned. And it is for relationship. It's to connect with God. And it takes faith. It's a place where you come to and say, I am not just talking in my room to the air or to the walls, but I'm actually connecting with a God who's made me and desires a relationship with me. And I think God wants us to pray to remind us that we need that connection with him. That's what we were designed for. And it puts us in this place of humility and dependency and reliance such that as we ask him to move in this situation or that circumstance, it begins to change the way we perceive life, right? Doesn't it? Because I prayed, because I have connected with God, now I've laid this life, these circumstances in his hands. And whether the prayer goes the way I might think it should go or it goes another direction, God maybe gives me circumstances I never would have asked for myself. I now have, because of a relationship with God, the ability to perceive life through that filter and actually not miss the fact that God is active and in my life and he's with me and he's moving in my life. I don't think prayer is designed for us just to use as a tool to get what we want. We live in a relationship with a God who's already working out his plan, his story. And we get to be part of that. By entering into prayer and having that dependency and relationship, we can we get to see it. We get to understand that God is moving. He is active. He is real. And that only strengthens us to daily rely on him more and more. That's so good, Ken. And, you know, I wish that our listeners could be here in the room with us to hear the different things that we've even said in preparation for this is we've just been able to have a dialogue on the importance of prayer and to talk through the many different facets. And, you know, this is just like one layer of what that answer of the purpose for our prayer is. Because like you said, if it was magical incantations, we'd have these prayer machines set up everywhere. Anybody could walk up to them, say the magic words that would solve their problems. But that's not always what God is looking for in our lives. He's not always trying to solve our problems. Sometimes our problems are part of the path that he has us on to mold us into the men and women he wants us to be. So we need to understand that as well. We need to understand so many other things about why we pray and why we're commanded to pray and the results of prayer and the process of prayer and the prayers that don't seem to be answered but are still a part of God's will for our life. And it's just crazy to think about all those different layers of that. And, you know, prayer is something we don't focus on as much as we should. And so today, what I would love for our listeners to do is to answer the question, are you praying? Yes or no. Are you praying? Why or why not? And share that with somebody else. Share with somebody what you're praying for, why you're praying for that, and what you're hoping that God does for you in that. And so as we collectively talk about our relationship with God in prayer, that will give us a greater confidence in what God is doing in our lives and in the lives around us, and it will hopefully grow our faith as we seek to honor Him in all we do. So let's do that today. 
and know as we go today, you are loved. You're